0: Welcome to this Law in Sport podcast, a podcast for anyone who wants to better understand the current legal issues and developments from the world of sport and you also get the opportunity to find out and meet some of the personalities behind these developments. On today's show our guest is Tony Cunningham, the Senior Manager for Education at the World Anti-Doping Agency or WADA as they're commonly known. In this interview Tony provides an insight into the newly released e-learning platform ADEL which short stands for the Anti-Doping e-learning platform which purpose is to serve as a central hub for all of Wilder's e-learning courses and resources. In this podcast, Tony explains why and how Adele was created and how it fits into the global anti-doping framework. If you're interested in anti-doping and or education in sport, then this will be of interest to you. From my perspective, I thought it was great to hear about some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that you don't often hear about when you read the sports headlines as they're commonly focused on the testing and the cases that you hear about before the Court of Arbitration for Sport. So there's a bit of an alternative view on how we can combat doping in sport. I hope you enjoy the show and get as much from it as I did. Thanks for tuning in. I'm currently sitting in a hotel in Kingston as I have been very fortunate enough uh, to catch my guest today, who is Tony Cunningham, senior manager for education for the World Anti-Doping Agency. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here. sounds like you've got a very busy schedule so I really appreciate you taking the time out and I think you've been on the road for about three weeks um (laughs) practicing what you preach right going around educating everyone about what what it is you're doing and and some new and exciting programs that you've got running
1: uh yes trying to as you said practice practice what I preach but it's also the the more interesting part of the job when you're uh, dealing with the stakeholders face to face and being able to understand their issues their challenges and also their the the things that they're doing correctly and then they're able to communicate that more and more effectively so it's been it's been a very interesting uh, uh trip this one
0: brilliant um do you want to say where have you been just to give someone people a result because I, I immediately thought you know typically um i thought oh you know some nice european cities and oh <laughs> something like that
1: um you know mainly switzerland
0: um it turns out you've been much further afield than that
1: I was in uh, Jordan uh, a week and a half ago uh, for the West Asian uh, Rado and Education Seminar there, which was uh, just the fantastic. regional anti-doping. Hey, hey. Uh, yes, sorry, the regional anti-doping Dope. organization, and fallen into the trap of talking in, in acronyms as as we do in generally in, in anti-doping. And uh, yeah, it was in a man in, in uh, Jordan there, which is uh, fantastic, um, dealing with the issues that uh, those countries have in that region, which are uh, very different to what um, other regions have and, and that idea of trying to tailor programs and seeing what is possible for in relation to education and what can what can be delivered and what is the most effective way to deliver education programs most suitable for for them uh, so that was a, that was an interesting uh, seminar then and I've been in the UK since uh, since last week. I was at uh, Leeds Beckett uh, University where they have a very um, talented research team up there and it was a fantastic uh, meeting with them and also it was a kickoff of a, of a project, uh, an Erasmus Plus project from the European Commission where there's a, a number of NATOs and a number of researchers coming together to look at uh, this issue of promoting the athlete's voice within within anti-doping. So it's a very important project and it's a good example that project is a really good example of the partnerships that can be fostered between researchers and practitioners because what we're seeing is a bit of a gap there at the minute is this and what the research is saying and what's happening on the ground and trying to translate the, the theory into practice And I think getting researchers and practitioners together is is an excellent way to kind of foster the most effective programs. Because what you have generally is an inherent tension if practitioners are doing something and if the theory is possibly indicating something else, um, or possibly the researchers aren't able to understand the practical realities of what uh, people on the ground of educating athletes or delivering programs directly to different types of stakeholders. So it it creates a really good uh, breeding ground for generating ideas and yeah, just, just that creating that, that environment of collaboration is fantastic.
0: Two of those things. One, the research from Lees Beckett. Uh, definitely get those guys on earth to the podcast at some point. We discussed it, but I think there is some really good stuff they've been doing. Um, and also, I think you're right. I think uh, you know, in, in our space, in the legal side, it's something that um, one of my friends and, and colleagues in the space, uh, Professor Mark James, always talks about, which we're you to know, get... Yeah, he sees the practitioners doing one thing, and then the academics doing another. And, it, it, and we try our best uh, for, for what we do to try and merge the two. But I, I agree with you; it's really important because uh, yeah, the closer aligned you can get, that the better. Because uh,
1: ideally, everyone wants better outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. And within that as well, uh, even like there was Leeds, we were in Leeds back; they were hosting, but we also have different types of researchers coming from different uh, universities. We had researchers from the University of Birmingham, researchers from here in, in Kingston. And then on the other side with the practitioners, we also had a good cross-section of people that are involved in the project. So from uh, UK anti-doping, from Ireland, from Germany, Holland, Slovenia. So that also ensures that different types of um, uh, programs are coming through, different types of voices, yeah. different types of perspectives. And that really helps um, provide a different, different angle and bring through some of the, the more salient points that need to be addressed.
0: Yeah so that's really interesting and uh, for disclosure as well that um, I'm obviously uh, a huge advocate for education (laughs) and particularly around anti-doping and I do think it's been one of the areas that has been largely underfunded uh, globally. And, and that's not necessary to say that certain Nardos and certain sports haven't been investing money into it, uh, but from my uh, uh, from a personal perspective and from I haven't spoken to many athletes and others in the space, that I always feel that it's something that's often overlooked, so I'm delighted to speak to someone who uh, cares equally as much about education as I do. Um, the, reason why, um, I, the main reason I wanted to speak to you uh, today, or to interview is about the Adele system. Uh, that's been introduced you hosted a, a webinar in which people could could drop in and I did uh, a few weeks ago and so I wondered if you could just describe what the Adele system is how it came about um, and then I hope that we can get into some of the reasoning behind why structured in the way it is um, I always think people get slightly confused about the role of water Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I used to get confused about, probably still do, and <laughs> um, but also around what, what your educational remit is. Um, and, and you know, uh, as good as the system, I think it, I think it's a good thing that you're doing. And it's got ne- inevitably because of the role of water it has its limitations. But um, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting evolution. So yeah, if you could start mm-hmm. off with telling us, yeah, what is sure. the ADEL system?
1: Sure. Well, ADEL itself stands for Anti-Doping E-Learning, ADEL, and we see it as a a complementary system to the Adam system Uh, the Adam system is is quite the compliance focus on making sure that people are able to follow the rules, facilitate our stakeholders to manage their anti-doping program. Uh, The Adele system is more about making sure around education that people understand the the system a bit better and the reasoning behind the system and possibly even like around the ethical rationale and to help people promote um, the educational side of, of things it came about uh, first where we were looking at the need to provide education for administrators and um, there was a gap uh, within the system there where a number of new administrators were coming into the anti doping system as it is still a new new industry and it was be- it 's becoming more and more complicated to administer an anti doping program it 's not uh, just about collecting urine anymore and sending it for for tests there 's a whole um, layering now that comes in with the, say, Athletic Biological Passport or the TUE system and someone new coming into that to try and understand that is quite a, quite a challenge when you say here's the code and the code actually doesn't look too intimidating when you see it for the first time. But then you say here's the international standards um, that are also mandatory underneath the code and then you say, well, here are guidelines to support the international standards and then here are the technical documents that you must follow within that are aligned to the international standards. And then suddenly, if you were to print out all those documents and put them on a table, you'd probably uh, get lost behind them. Well,
0: even if you looked at, even if you looked at, as an example, even if you just try to look at Wada's structure and look at all the various committees and what their responsibilities are, mm-hmm. um, that can be quite fusing, confusing in itself, and it's become, uh, you know. I, yeah. Uh, as we were speaking about uh, yeah, beforehand, you know, I think that it's interesting that the, you know we've got the latest code review, and I'm hoping that we can get more athlete engagement within that, uh, because I think the language is largely inaccessible to, to most athletes, and so I think that's part of the challenge in itself. Is compre- it looks relatively somewhat of a bit of a complicated document, so um, so, we're, so we're basically seeing that you know, your body also. The backdrop to this is that obviously uh, the wider code itself is um, uh, relatively still young um uh it's been a developing piece of regulation We've obviously been, it's been, it's been which has been tested <laughs> quite publicly uh in various scenarios with the russian being the, l- the latest one so it's an evolving piece uh, therefore uh, 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 of which governments have been obviously one of the key stakeholders are input into this and no doubt their adoption of it um and their willingness to support it has no doubt changed over time as well. So we're probably seeing more investment from mm-hmm. most of the governments. So therefore, we're getting these new members of staff coming in, as well as the overall turnover at other uh, national anti-doping organisations. And so therefore, you say so you decided to, you know, how can we? The, the theory then being that how can we best upskill these individuals um, mm-hmm. and keep them up to date with what's going on.
1: Yes, well, uh, obviously the the best way to upskill someone and to educate someone is in a face-to-face format and and using uh, different methods um, within that. But when you look at where we're at uh, as a world anti-doping agency, there's also obviously the challenge in trying to reach as, as many people as possible. So so with that, when WADA releases the code and technical goc- documents, there is a number of uh, documents to try and help and support. And I think um, WADA's output in relation to that, if you follow and um, the documents that have been put out, you can actually help to administer your program uh, quite effectively. But there's still the challenge of it being being a lot and um, so what we try to do on, on the education side is is to focus more on how do we help help uh, administrators from administrative point of view to administer and um, the program so and um, for example if you receive a TUE application so where do we go from there what's the how do we set up a TUE committee how do we then and um, go through and ensure that the, the criteria are are aligned in, in terms of my role as an administrator and um, so what we did was we developed what's called the ADO Kickstart uh, course and it's based on a, a kind of layering methodology where on the top layer is you have the process for all of the main anti-doping processes and it's uh, essentially flowcharts but you're allow- you can click into any part of the process and then get information at that point so it allows the user to choose what's most relevant to them at that particular point rather than giving all of the information a- at once so it tries to um, essentially help uh, an administrator do their job um, at any particular point in time for any any process. So when we started developing this, this was quite a a challenging um, uh, thing to do from from the start when you do think of all of the the processes and all the different strands of anti-doping and not just uh, education or TUEs with regards to results management or testing all of that. It's a complex uh, system now. Uh, it is, it's definitely a, a lot more a lot more complex so the challenge with uh, within the education department is how can we translate that um to um, make it more accessible, yes. how can we put it in a language that's uh, uh, easier because we have uh, non-technical people administering technical programs, even though they're trying to facilitate technical people, uh, whether it's a a doctor or a lawyer, to to do their job, they still have to uh, facilitate that program, they still have to facilitate that process. So we tried to develop a program for them. And initially, obviously, we worked with uh, partners, uh, to begin with, with Inato and with Sport Accord, in trying to understand what it is the the need was. So in, in parallel with that, then, as we were developing the content, and we started to collect all of that and to try and and devise the, the content of how do we achieve this translational yeah. piece uh, from from the technical side into practice. And we also needed a, a technological solution for it, uh, softwares, how are we going to put it put it online? And at the time we had other e-learning courses. We have a course for athletes called Alpha, Coach For, a course for coaches called Coach True. A uh, course for uh, sports physicians called Sports Physicians Toolkit. And these are all online, but they're all in different environments. And at the time, we were looking at well, if we put it in another environment, that's another system that we're going to have. So, what we tried to do is consolidate it and um, build one infrastructure where we can have someone come in with one account um, and then access the information that's relevant to them. So what we try to do as well is develop a system that's tailored for the type of person you are. So if I come in and I set up my account and I choose that I'm an athlete as my role, then I'll automatically get assigned the alpha program, I'll automatically get assigned resources for me as an athlete uh, in my dashboard. And that would be the same for all of the roles, for coaches, uh, for the doctors, for, um, for the administrators. So as the Kickstart program is being developed, we took a step back and tried to then try to solve all of these other issues. That makes
0: sense from your perspective as well, because then rather than you have to remember all the things for all these different systems, you've got it in one central place. Yes. So so from an administration perspective, and no doubt that helps with consistency as well, because if you can update one area, you'll update update
1: all the areas. Yes. And I suppose what we wanted to move towards as well, and maybe this speaks to to WADA's role, is uh, rather than us trying to provide a direct service to to the end user, which is an athlete or a coach or or a doctor, we recognized that we wanted to provide a service to our stakeholders um, in our role as trying to develop education because uh, we didn't want to, we don't really want to bypass um, our t- whether, any of the anti-doping organizations whether it's a NATO or an international federation what we would prefer is to have a system that they can manage their and people that's, under that's their jurisdiction. And
0: that's one of the, the, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the idiosyncrasies though of this, of, of the sector and uh, the anti- world anti-doping code um and the agency is that you have you know you are a stakeholder organization and therefore whatever the stakeholders essentially uh ask for is what they get and Mm -hmm. so if they're saying that that's what they want then even if you say i'm not saying you do but even if you would like to go directly to the athletes and and provide a, a, a very comprehensive scheme for the athletes globally um there's a chance that you may not get the sign-off. You may not be, able to get, you know, get the instructions essentially from the stakeholder group to uh, to mm-hmm. do that. So, um, okay. So, uh, so now you've got this 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 system that is, and I have looked at it. You know, I haven't actually been on the system, but I was watching you cl- uh, or your colleagues click through it as we were on the webinar. So you have got this system, so they can go in, they get the bespoke information. One of the really interesting things was then, as you were empower- So you were just saying then that you're empowering essentially the the national antithopian organization to deliver their own education platform I thought that one of the things I thought was interesting was the structure in which you, and how you took that approach because having been someone who runs an online business and know, yeah, an online education platform uh, and done web development and some other things as well the first thing I thought about was translation <laughs> yes. and you identified that as, as it in the webinar so I wondered if you could just talk to, to that
1: yeah, and that definitely came under the, the remit of trying to provide a service for stakeholders that, that they can use and, and they can they can manage. One of the challenges that we have had with the other systems uh, was around translation. And that spoke to them the technology that we needed as well. Uh, we had bespoke systems that were designed specifically for Coach True for, for Alpha. But the cost of translations for our stakeholders that thought they were really good uh, tools that were developed by um, um, ex-colleagues of mine, but then the the cost was was uh, astronomical from their point of view because we're dealing with with stakeholders and we're trying to provide a stakeholders for uh, for people who don't necessarily have that much money. It's not Adele's not looking. But they don't to have
0: much money. Then in education they have even mm. less money. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so if because they, if they've got to administer x amount of tests and uh, you know do other activities as well and pay for staff, as in the education budget starts to go smaller and smaller and smaller because yes. often that's the thing that's not. Um, the evaluation of, uh, I believe anyway, maybe I'm wrong with this, maybe people are happy to take comments from people on this, uh, but I'm sure um, from having some of the conversations I've had with certain people in certain jurisdictions is it doesn't seem that that's one of the main metrics in which uh, they're measured on. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, it's it's difficult as well because it is quite expensive and it does require some kind of technical know-how to develop uh, an online education system. Not that I was yeah, that I person yeah. at the, at the, at the yeah. time, but to try and manage that, that, that process. Um, a number of uh, anti-doping organizations have excellent online e-learning tools and they're able to develop them specifically for for their needs. And Adele is not trying to replace those and it's not trying to override those. What it is trying to do is provide a service for the people who aren't in a position to do mm-hmm. similar types of uh, developments, so that was very much at the centre of what That's we were trying to ma- do. That's probably the majority. Yeah. Uh, pro-
0: it, it, yeah. it, it probably is. If you look at Inado as an example, it represents the the, the major antidoping organisations. It's, yeah. it's a smaller number compared to the number of nations that are you know, meant to be administered or signed up to the convention.
1: Yes, and. Like even within INATO members, uh, a lot of INATO members don't have their own e-learning right. um, tools th- themselves. A lot do, and I said uh, some really excellent uh, tools mm. uh, out there. So we weren't li- trying to come in and try and compete with with those and and or replace them or make them uh, better. But we had to um, still provide something that could be suitable for for everyone, and that that's obviously a challenge. But we tried to keep that at a central part of our development. Mm. That meant around um, uh, devising translation as a key uh, key consideration and for for that and trying to keep the cost down if you wanted to our stakeholders to manage the program that we had at the end so that would be uh, a number of um what we went for is to say an open source technology so we wanted to get away from a licensing model where yeah. you had to pay pay per user for example so that we want to provide that free service to to our stakeholders that if
0: I was, by the way, I was pleased for that
1: because um, I'm a
0: huge fan of open source in that regard. So we're using open source uh, software as well for the same reason. You've got the best people developing it generally anyway. They're, they're normally you know, yeah. the key developers who do it because they believe everyone should have access to that uh, yeah. you know, the world wide web and be able to disseminate information.
1: And I, I think that philosophy actually aligns to what we're trying to do is a community-based approach. And that the idea of having an open source as well is that you have this community of developers adding into the system. So the system we, we decided to go with was called Opinion. Um, but uh-huh. it, the development of that system is managed by a company, and they don't, And because yeah. some, sometimes a challenge with open source, as I've I found out, I know a lot more <laughs> about uh, e-learning and, <laughs> and online technology than I need to know at this point. But one of the challenges that uh, we found was that uh, if with open source or a drawback is that if anyone can make changes to it, it can also Absolutely. compromise and it's a risk. And we also have obviously uh, security uh, concerns, considerations to have as well with, with our system. So within the open source platform, uh, which is called um, Drupal, Drupal. Yeah. and then within that, and then we have a controlled environment called Opinio And then that allows us to develop that application called Adele for, for the people who are... Uh, technically minded about what it is but please Uh, don't ask me any more details of that (laughs) (laughs) we're
0: we're geeking it up
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm not that much interested in it but Uh, people are uh, interested I'm on my own you're you're definitely (laughs) on your own there Uh, so what uh, what was important then is around um, providing that uh, free service so if if our stakeholders decided to make uh, education mandatory for all of their athletes, all of their coaches, that they didn't have to worry about uh, taking on that cost. WADA obviously didn't have to worry about taking on that cost because if a number of countries made it uh, mandatory, then that that could come back to, to WADA yeah. as well. It's a risk exposure that we didn't uh, didn't want. And then the other part as well is is having a flexible system that allows translation. And Opinion gave us that uh, flexibility. And what we're looking to do is provide a number of languages uh, for for that, at, uh, certainly a more cost-effective than, mm-hmm. than what it was. And uh, it was previously up over 30,000 US dollars to, to translate one one of our systems because every page had to be changed individually. Now we've set up a semi-automated system where if you translate the content and we give you the translation templates, we can upload those automatically. Um, but there still requires some developers to go through and quali- do quality assurance. Yeah. So it's come down to around $5,000. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was really impressed
0: by the way for that because I think this is one of the um, again the challenges in regulation and sport in generally is that there's not um, again I keep waxing on lyrical about it but really in the educa- education space there are limited budgets particularly in anti-doping um, and athlete education generally I believe uh, I think it's, a, it's something we're starting to see we're starting to see a shift um, mm-hmm. but, but I think anything you can do uh, that can have a greater reach uh, and save money because I think also there's a lot of wastage. And I think in the past, as someone who's a bit of a, you know into technology and web development in particular, um, I think I've had the feeling anyway that people have been taken advantage of because of their lack of awareness of costings in this space, mm-hmm. hence why where there has been small budgets of an area that have a very small impact because of the fact that it's been largely consumed by uh, a licensor. It charges a ridiculous amount of money. I saw it when I worked in, in for law firms as well. Charges a ridiculous amount of money for delivering something that we've done at a relatively low cost.
1: Yes, or you get the the product at a relatively low cost, and then, or you want to make changes to that, then and that's going to cost yeah, yeah. a lot of it's money it's, it's for. It's the,
0: it's the pricing model that I think I like to think that hopefully that models. Uh, Largely being eradicated as people start to become more aware of it. Like, you know, this is the practical side of, of, of regulation, right? <laughs> of trying, yeah. Yeah, the education side, and actually trying to let people know about the regulations that they're meant to abide by. You mm-hmm. know, so I, I say I really geek this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: well, it, well it, is, it is actually interesting when you're trying to achieve that and you're trying to provide something for, uh, for everyone. And uh, the other part, like one was around the translation. Um, and what we're trying to endeavor to do is is to make it the six languages of the six unesco languages available which is english french and spanish which is available right now and then moving into working with our stakeholders to make chinese arabic and and russian Mm -hmm. also available as much as as possible but also we're able to work then individually with individual stakeholders like say we had a successful partnership with croatia and japan to make alpha available in those in those um in those languages also, we're currently working with the Southeast Asia Regional Anti-Doping Organization to provide um, Coach True in five of their languages, right. and th- th- they were supported through an Olympic Solidarity Grant, and they decided to use that money to uh, invest in oh, making Coach True yeah. available. And that that's a really good example of uh, try not to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't want, if you don't, if something that's there that can meet your mm-hmm. needs, let's work with you and and develop that doesn't happen enough
0: in my opinion and uh, in, in 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 sports law it doesn't happen enough globally I think it's one of the challenges of, uh, of the sector that you do see because of the way that the, the, the uh, commercial pressures uh, work with uh, both consultants business consultants for lawyers etc uh, and the way they charge is often by the hour um, sometimes best practice isn't shared in the way that, that I think it, sh- it could be or utilised in that way partly because they're not financially incentivised to do that Mm -hmm. you know that's a whole other discussion but I'm glad to see that happen this happened in this case because you know don't be wrong I could Probably pull out a whole bunch of criticisms about the system and the limit because of you taking that approach. It's probably got a whole bunch of limitations because of it. Yes, but that's you know offset against the reality of how much money you've got and what you actually do in your next time frame. So um,
1: exactly, but we actually see this as just being the, the starting point. And you said like we that was the other part. Like we do have limited budget to to invest in in this system, like uh, like Adele and. But and people will log on and and, and may see that there's uh, better systems uh, in relation to their their own countries, but tailored specifically for for them but what we're looking to do is, is to continually to, to develop and make it make it better and get feedback from from our community to say I think this should be changed add in these types of features this is the functionality we need and uh, like for for example it came the the need to manage uh, for our stakeholders to manage their users within their jurisdictions uh, in in a similar way to say how they manage atoms is that you manage uh, people when you have uh, sight site of Where people within your system. So if I'm the uh, education person in Germany, I should be able to see all the German athletes in Adele. And so we did build that functionality in. If I'm uh, the basketball, if I'm FIBA, and I am the education manager there, or I'm responsible for that, I should be able to see all basketball athletes, or coaches, or users uh, across the world for that. Uh, So that way, if I did want to make it mandatory, I could then as a way cross check this and make sure that people going to those competitions have received their certificate
0: pr- presumably you can see how far into a program they've gone so if, if someone's like only f- completed 50 percent of a program you can see that users not fully completed the program um, because that would be really interesting from an educator i know it's not you know it's not to replace uh, in-person education it's to support but I think from a legal perspective, there could be some really interesting stuff there, with, which is very helpful anyway, at least eliminating an issue. Where they say, I've had no awareness of this, and they've clicked through, and you yeah. can see they've spent an X
1: amount of time on a certain page. That and, and that is possible, uh, yeah. for, for sure. If, you, if you're taking the compliance approach of ensuring that uh, athletes or coaches have achieved a certain amount of education, this allows you to... Uh, to do that because at the end you uh, have to get a certificate that would demonstrate your competence right. and you would have to demonstrate knowledge of the TUE system for example yeah. or uh, the results management process and in the future it could
0: be really interesting as well because I know they were doing this with some uh, another uh, some, some guys I know who set up a very successful um, uh, video education platform for, that was used by Harvard League organisations and, and stuff like that and um, they were saying that uh, what was really interesting one of the founders was telling me the reason why it motivated him is you could then pinpoint where in lectures people lost interest mm-hmm. also the same in education where you can start to see if people are clicking through something very very quickly yes. the, you know, the, the, that, that can, can yeah that's a very good tool to as you were saying get the feedback but to the regulators essentially to people drafting the regulations to go hold on yes. um, you know, this is something we need to work out or maybe the language is unclear or it could be quite in the future mm-hmm. it could be quite a, a useful tool
1: Uh, I think that comes back to as well the idea of trying to make it better all the time and seeing like I mean if we are seeing in our courses that um, they're not spending the time obviously that's required to to learn those those parts is um, how do we how do we make that more relevant for those users can Mm -hmm. we um, get into micro learning where you give them bite-sized pieces that they get delivered to their phone uh, for example every now and again at the appropriate time as opposed to sitting through. Uh, one big course in one go and so for example we tried to do it in a modular basis where you can dip in and out as much as possible with all of the courses and the system automatically remembers exactly where you are Um, uh, but at the end of it you still have to demonstrate some some type of competence in in those areas and the other part that we we need to look at is measuring the impact that that these programs are having so not only that if they got their certificate for passing uh, an anti-doping course, is do they understand those, those areas? Do they implicitly um, know why these, these um, modules are in place or these processes are put in place? And that's what we try to build into the Adele so system as that's well.
0: That's why I get excited because I think, in theory, bearing in mind, I think if there's a more clearer, concise and effective water code, uh, you know, again, I know that it's going through the review, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about that. Particularly given the level of athlete engagement, um, mm-hmm. there's going at least from World Player Association and others at the moment, uh, the dialogue that's taking place, um, I think, is a is a constructive one. So hopefully, uh, there's a yeah, a better code to say to educate people about. Um, with that, what you could then see in the future as well, though, is you could probably do some really interesting correlations to see between people who have done the online courses. Obviously, they've had their in-person training, and then you know how they performed on that. What's happened, and then um, you yeah, know why they doped. If they doped, yeah, was it an accident? Was it you know? And do some correlation between there to see. Yeah, yeah that would be some. I'm sure that um, Kelsey and was at, <laughs> at Leeds. I look at. We'll be excited to look at that as well.
1: Yeah, there definitely be a lot of people, and, and this is actually where I would uh, geek it up a bit. Is this where I would get excited? Is the the data behind and the potential for e-learning? to understand what, what is happening and uh, around the effectiveness of, say, education and uh, where we can measure the attitudes of athletes, we can measure their knowledge of anti-doping before um, the course and we can measure it after and, and actually see uh, how we can improve it, but are there areas that um, need to be addressed mm-hmm. and also as, as well as the, the, the good thing about e-learning is you can start to, to bring in and start to have the conversation around you're talking about educating about the code but also why do we have the code what is the reason of anti-doping why does it exist and the technology now allows certain types of scenarios to be developed where you can choose different options you can engage with the content in a more interactive way rather than just putting up kind of PowerPoint slides and going in a passive uh, passive way so we started to do that with a couple of the courses but we want to develop that more whether it's through video videos Or uh, different types of case studies that you have to, you're requiring the user to really engage with the underpinning values and to promote those values because uh, what the research shows is that um, the more you develop uh, people's values or the, more, the stronger the moral identity they have around it and the stronger the buy-in, that acts as a protective factor against the actual behavior we're trying to, to prevent. So on one side, it's trying to uh, prevent and ensure that they know the rules and they're very competent about the, the system and the processes. Um, but then it's important as well to acknowledge the underpinning um, reasons for, for that. And e-learning doesn't solve that, but allows you to um, begin to have that conversation because... Um, there is an acknowledgement of the limitations of e-learning. It doesn't replace face-to-face, and we we acknowledge that, but what it does do is it gives us the potential to reach a much broader audience in a massive way, Uh, because unlike uh, maybe other areas where a small percentage of the athlete population will ever have to apply for a TUE or a small percentage maybe, or a percentage of them only get tested at any one point, there is a requirement to educate all athletes and all coaches. So that that is a a bigger challenge. And I think... think so
0: when I first got the email, I thought this is great because I've always been waxing on about why is there not, if the World Anti-Doping Code was that easy to understand and easy to follow, why is there not a global online education system that's mandated for all athletes to undertake? Right, that was my mm-hmm. that's my starting point. And it still is to a certain degree. If, like if it was, you know it should be able to, if you can't do it, there's a problem. Right? Mm-hmm. If you can't do that and explain it to athletes, then there's a problem, right? inevitably that causes a problem. Now we've identified that that's not your, what your role is. Um, so uh, that, that's why the webinar was quite helpful. I was like, okay, cool, I understand the limitations here and understand what the objectives were for this project. Because initially I was quite excited, I thought, oh, well, this, could be, this could be awesome. Uh, the, uh, you know, to be followed up there with in-person training, obviously. Um, but then, Uh, that that we haven't got that at the moment. But what I find really interesting and what what I've become uh, quite excited about during a a conversation before this podcast and now is the fact that this two-way education process, as opposed to it just being this is lecture at the athletes, this is lecture at the coaches, etc. And actually having the opportunity to get feedback on it because I think it will be from a regulatory standpoint. I think that's so important. I know that there are consultations going out. I don't necessarily believe that it has the engagement you know if you're someone like myself, or if you're an anti-doping lawyer or you know for for a for a nardo or for international federation Mm. or an athlete of course you're engaging in that process yes um but if you're an athlete you probably think oh uh, yeah it's a bit wordy maybe it's a bit (laughs) you know how much time do i have you know how concerned am i what impact will i have but if actually you know if there's a more um say evolutionary process that happens on, a, on a, in a real-time basis and over time you start to get very compelling evidence that something isn't you know there's a disconnect between what the regulations are trying to achieve or not actually being achieved mm-hmm. even after education mm-hmm. then hopefully that will enforce a more positive or at least inform a more positive um, mm-hmm. uh, adaptation of the rules mm-hmm. which I think is that that really does excite me because I think that's then you then you start to develop a really effective regulatory framework Yes. Um, which is really really good and also I think with some of these tools um, I'm not sure if you've found this but I remember um, asking an individual and his name escapes me it's awful Carfoni, who's a, a professor Calfoni from um, uh, the States who lectures at Stamp Harvard sorry at Harvard I think he's at Mary Law School as well was one of the sort of lead guys at IMG and he delivers his education does an online educational platform as part of the Harvard Extension School um, and I asked him I said how much does it how much does doing the online course inform your or in, help you in your in person lectures and he said without question without shadow of doubt it massively enhanced and improved my ability to lecture online mm-hmm. so hopefully then people going through this education process Yes. Of delivering online is—I'm not sure if this is your experience as well—helps them then think about
1: how they're having, you know, they doing doing the in-person training and how effective it is. Uh, we don't have any data on that right now, but anecdotally, what we can say is that if um, someone does a course before they actually go to a face-to-face seminar, it definitely adds to the richness of that seminar because straight away you don't have to then do a lecture style format of these are the rules and step-by-step and step because a lot of the time if you don't have an audience that's informed there's a requirement on you to inform them mm. and from an education perspective that's, that, that, can be, uh, that, that can be challenging so straight away you get into if they have say got their certificate before they've come or even to a competition if you have an outreach event or a booth set up is that those athletes can come or those coaches can come with questions already prepared so straight away it's more about it's more about engagement, and then being able to make um, the content relevant for them, and then you're able to discuss it in their terms, as opposed to dictating this kind of traditional uh, education model of I'm the I'm the teacher, I'm the lecturer, and here's the information, and then you must remember that and uh, put recite that at some other point, or if if I'm going to a pharmacy, I have to remember what what is the TUE process. Yeah,
0: Oh, I completely get it. You're making me think now about other things. but Yeah, no, about about our sector and, and sports as a whole. Um, no, really interesting. And so, what does the future hold then? So, obviously, it's now been launched. Uh, you're working with various people. You've got this, um, you know, the, the more affordable, let's say, uh, pricing model. And, yeah, you know, so I congratulate you on that. I think it's a very responsible uh, approach. Now, generally, I know that there's probably budget lim- limitations that cause that clinking, but it's also something I think that, you know, making sure you get enough. A bang for your buck as we would say is yes. a really positive thing you know mm-hmm. um so yeah what does the future hold what's, what's the next steps now then so
1: for the next steps for adele is to is to get it embedded into the community of people that that need it um it's version 1.0 and that's obviously there's a long way to go from, from where we're at we've already as with any systems we've already had glitches in terms of the administrator rights for some of our and uh, for some of our stakeholders about trying to fix those uh, straight away so there's the immediate maintenance of the technology um, and we're dealing with a, a big backlog of interest now which is fantastic uh, in one way so we've put it out there now we have to meet the, right. the demand so the, the onus is on us to, to, to do that And in terms of going forward it, it's to start seeing how e-learning fits into the wider education system like we just talked there about how it can complement face-to-face seminars and um, but also develop the actual system itself, like of where e-learning is going. Uh, it's going towards, say, gamification. Uh, can we uh, make that more intrinsically? Uh, relevant for, for the users where they want to, to go yeah, and tricky to as engage well, in that, it. you can get it badly wrong of course and, that, <laughs> yeah. and this is where budgets and everything yeah, yeah. come into it so so we can look at it if there's a way and uh, if there's a way we can partner with uh, people because it is but it's the whole concept of, of Adele and the whole concept of the anti-doping community is about collaboration and community is very much there so um, and you mentioned there about uh, people reinventing the, the wheel and, and a bit of uh, duplication. If we can avoid that and, and work together in terms of developing something that's better for, for everyone, that's where we would like to uh, to get to.
0: So, so on that point, then, if people are listening to this and they're thinking, you know, we could offer something or we could help, I'd love to input into this, how would they, what would be the best way for them to
1: get in contact? Uh, email is, is a, the easiest way, is adel, adel, at wada ama.org. Or you can come through the Adele system, uh, create an account, and you can communicate uh, directly uh, directly through so, there. So
0: if you've missed that, uh, you can go back and listen to it, obviously, because it's on a podcast. But um, well, we'll include a link at the bottom with the email address on so people can, can, can get in contact um,
1: and obviously you can go to the wider website as well <laughs> No doubt, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll, be, there'll be a link through there and um, with that I'm where Adele is then fitting as well and in the future is that it comes into the international standard for education which is being developed as well and um, because part of the development of the of the of the education program is to put it on uh, an equal footing with the, the other um, programs or other processes that, that are there but there's also obviously uh, an onus on, on wanted to help people achieve that standard and e-learning is, is one way of, of doing that as part of a wider uh, education system and we are looking to put in place different uh, projects and content that will help people uh, achieve that when it does come on come online Um that's
0: awesome thank you so much for your time really interesting um, as I said, I'm delighted to speak to someone who's as is, is, is equally, if not more, enthusiastic about education as I am uh, in this space. No, I appreciate it's an evolving uh, platform. Um, I do think that we're in a different world now, where people understand that. Whereas before, they'd expect the, the completed product at the end. I think people are now understand you have to go through iterations and uh, to, to be more effective. But it sounds like, uh, particularly in some of the, the places you described, uh, some sort of the people you're working with, um, organisations, as I say, you're working with. Um, it sounds like there's, it's starting to have a positive impact. Um, I hope this is a uh, continues and I hope that it, it develops. I would love to get you back on again for another chat about some other stuff that you're doing that we spoke about offline. But um, yes, yeah, so hopefully next time you're in town, or if I'm in the states or, or Canada and you're about, I'd love to get you on again. Uh, yeah, thanks. I'm we welcome really appreciate back. your
1: time. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Sean.